Hey there, thanks for checking out Discover Church's podcast. I'm Pastor Curtis Jones, and we are taking 2020 to go a year through the Word. So we want to encourage you to join us on a Sunday morning at 406 South Bedford Street in Georgetown, Delaware, and uh, keep up to date with everything that's happening with Discover Church by liking us and following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We can't wait to see you. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, if this is your very first time here at Discover Church, I just want to say uh, welcome, Scott. Watch that cord is going to get you, man. It's trying. It was trying to get you there for a second. I've seen it. But if this is your very first time here at Discover Church, I wanted to say welcome. My name is Curtis Jones. Uh, me and my wife, Amy, who is helping lead in uh, DC Kids today, we, we along with our incredible Go Team members, uh, help to, uh, uh, to lead Discover Church here. And if this is your first time, uh, one of the ways we love to engage with people uh, is, listen, we promise we're not just going to randomly show up at your door and knock on your door, but we love to just kind of reach out throughout the week uh, just to encourage you, to let you know we appreciate you uh, being here here with us today. But of course, we can't do that if we don't know who you are. So uh, on the inside of your worship guide is a connection card. There's also some in the seat in front of you. If uh, you would, we'd love for you to fill that out. At the end of the table, or at the end of the table, at the end of the service today, you can meet me at the next steps table. And we have a gift that we want to give to you for just for being here with us for the first time. And uh, for those of you that are familiar, we also have our check-in challenge. It's on the screen right now for February. If you check in through Instagram or Facebook at Discover Church, uh, uh, you're going to help make a difference in the life. This month, we are partnering with the uh, Faith Promise Feeding Program, which operates out of the Philippines uh, through one of our missionary friends, Eric Miller. And uh, so you're going to make a difference in uh, in feeding some incredible uh, young children there in the Philippines just through checking in, just for uh, you being part of that. And uh, it's going to be a great time. But uh, but also, well, also, I want to encourage you. We're doing something a, a little bit different. How many of you have uh, the version Bible app on your phone? I'm many of you are brave enough to admit it? Okay, that's good. Uh, if you don't, I want to really encourage you to do it because one of the things that we're trying uh, for the month of uh, February is uh, something a little bit different. If you open your version app, which I got to do real quick so I can make sure I'm telling you how to do this the right way, but when you open your version app, at the bottom of the screen there, most likely, I don't think uh, Apple is any different than a- us Android people, uh, but there's a little tab that says more. And when you click on that tab that says more, there's another thing there that says events. It's got a little Discover Church here icon. Look at that. It makes it easy for you to find it, right? So if you click on events, you're going to find that Discover Church, hopefully because it's going to know your location is going to come up, you can click on that and you can actually access all the scriptures for today's message and you can kind of follow along and keep engaged and uh, with everything that's happening. From there, you can have a link uh, to check into Facebook and to give online. So it's a really cool way uh, to, to stay engaged. And uh, also, I wanted to share as part you're giving, uh, one of the things that we at Discover Church are involved with, we're part of the Next Level Relational Network. Uh, That sounds like a mouthful, but basically it is a group of pastors uh, that help to train and equip one another. Uh, We have people all over the place that are involved in this. Uh, It's out of uh, Florida is where this is, but one of the really cool things that is part of us being in it is, first off, uh, 
I'm excited because uh, it helps me as a pastor, it helps my wife, helps us lead better, uh, but at the same time, it allows us to help other pastors at the same time, and uh, I heard a story uh, that was really cool as part of the Next Level Relational Network uh, this past week um, uh, about, well, this, the story really isn't so much cool, but the, what happened out of it is, is uh, there's Pastor Ray Hodges out of Corpus Christi, Texas. Uh, many of you know, you remember the days when Discover Church was portable. We had a big trailer that we carried with us everywhere. Well, we are part of an organization that has a lot of portable churches. There's a lot of us that, that are still setting up and tearing down every single week. Well, Pastor Ray out of Corpus Christi, Texas was a portable church. And would you not believe that the enemy wants to come and attack you when you're a portable church guy? You know how that happens? When somebody shows up on Saturday and steals your church trailer. Let me tell you, you want to talk about getting into a pickle in a hurry, okay? So, so one of the things, though, that, that obviously that's hard, it's horrible that that happened, but one of the really great things is because of our engagement with the Next uh, Level Relational Network, we were able to help fund them and get them a little bit of some stuff, kind of get the gears rolling for them before they have to deal with the you know, insurance companies and all that other stuff. But how many, you know, what Saturday, that happens to you on Saturday, that next day is Sunday, Sundays are coming, right? So, uh, so you were able to help make a difference in Corpus Christi, Texas, uh, by helping a, a, a church planner there, and so I always think that that's great to know that you know when you give uh, your the things that you give to, yeah, the, we have our check-in challenges and other stuff, but you're also helping to make it an, an impact in the lives of people around us. Some of those are going to happen right here in our community, and some of those are going to happen uh, in far-off places. But that's a, a really great time. So, uh, how many of you are ready for the big game, everybody? I was going to say, the, I guess the big. Bigger question is, is for the big game is, uh, have you made sure that you've worked out enough this week so that you're about to intake all that you are, okay? Because I know everybody's like, yeah, the game's great, but where are the wings at, okay? Where are the chicken wings at? Where's the dip? You know what I mean? Like, you, you want to you wanna get into it. So uh, I hope that you're ready for that. I was really excited for the Stokely family uh, because uh, they have... Uh, they have, not only do they, uh, they're a Chiefs fan, you know, they're, they're, and they're like, they're not like the bandwagon Chiefs fans. Like, they've been Chiefs fans, like, for a, the years when the Chiefs were, were horrible, right? Really bad, you know? And so here they have uh, little Drew with them, and Drew is going to experience a miracle. He, he's only uh, just, a, you know, uh, he's not that old, and he's getting ready to experience a miracle of the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Super Bowl. We'll have to see if he, he can be victorious or not tonight. So that's going to be a, a really great time if you're watching the game. But, uh, but I, I don't know about you, but uh, everyone, once in a while, and this is easy to happen, especially this time of year, uh, where you kind of experience what what are kind of like the blues, right? You kind of it's easy winter time. Thankfully, I'm praising God. It's not been that cold. I'm not a big cold cold weather fan, but uh, it, it's not been that cold. But it's easy because it's cold. The sun sets at five o'clock, and you're just like you, you want to go to bed. You, you know, it's one of those ones you go in, you eat dinner, and the next thing you know, you're looking and you're like. It's only 6.15. What happened? You know what I mean? Like, you ever have those moments? You know, uh, the other day I was trying to get something done and uh, at the house. We're doing a little bit of work, and it, it was getting dark on me quick. And I'm like, Elijah, get the floodlights out. He's like, Dad, what are you talking about? I'm like, it's only 5 o'clock, son. We got to keep going. Like, let's go. Get the lights. Let's go. So it, it's easy this time of year uh, to, to kind of get the, the, the bluesy effect. And, and in fact, uh, the, the, I heard a word that I don't know if I've ever heard, the January doldrums. You ever heard of that? The doldrums? I've never heard of such a thing. But it's 
kind of this thing that happens to a lot of people where in between January, the end of January and through February, you kind of find yourself, you know, Christmas and Thanksgiving are over, New Year's has happened, New Year's you set your resolutions or all the things that you were going to have happen and now by now you realize they're not, you know, you're like, I'm going to have six pack abs by February 2nd, you're like... I have the ab, you know what I mean? You get, you get in that kind of feeling. So it's easy for those things to happen, you know, and, and for me, it happens to me uh, to a small extent almost on a weekly basis because typically by Sunday afternoon after uh, we've had church and I've spoken and sometimes we have meetings and teachings and stuff that happen throughout the day, normally by Sunday afternoon, I'm, I'm wiped out. I'm done. Like by the time I get home, I can't, I'm not capable to do anything. I'm like, the, the most motion I can do is that recliner motion you know, to get the feet to come up. That's about it. That's pretty much it. So we all sometimes have this thing, right, where you get the blues, maybe you kind of feel unsatisfied or just kind of restless a little bit, like you're just not sure. And today, uh, as we kind of kick off a year in the Word, as we're going to be spending... Uh, pretty much all of 2020 here, kind of taking a look at some of the scriptures uh, in the Bible and, and pulling some stuff out. Today we're going to be looking in the book of Genesis, and we're going to be looking uh, at uh, at Father Abraham. How many of y'all remember that? Father Abraham had many sons. Man, his sons, uh, yeah, it makes you, uh, I was going to say, I would start, you know, his right arm. I never understood, I never understood what Father Abraham had to do with the goofy marching. I never figured out what all that, what all that really meant. But, uh, but those were my days out to Carrie's camp, VBS, singing Father Abraham every day. So, but it's easy, right? And, and today we're actually going to join, uh, and if you read through scripture, you're going to find that it kind of goes from Abram, because his name hasn't necessarily changed here. I'm going to probably stick with Abraham for the most part, so I hope that doesn't confuse you. But uh, I, I'm, today we're going to be looking at him and how uh, we find him in, in the book of Genesis at a time when he feels a little bit let down, a little bit bluesy. He's just a little bit like, you know, you ever have those Neh, moments in life? right and uh and and we find this we're going to kick off here with genesis 15 1 and it says this it says after this the word of the lord came to abram in a vision right one of the things that we find here is that god specifically speaks to abram he has a vision one of the things that happens uniquely to abraham that doesn't maybe sometimes we struggle with a little bit is God pretty clearly told Abraham what was going to happen with his life. Some of you wish that happened. Sometimes you wish, you're like, Jesus, just show up and tell me what you're going to do, okay? Just show up in my life and tell me. It, well, here we find God like literally has spoke to Abraham, and he has said that, guess what? I have a vision for your life. And in Genesis 12, 2, it talks a little bit about this. It says, uh, this is God saying to Abraham again, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And, and so here we find Abraham like living life, just doing the thing. You know, every Monday he gets up and he puts his tunic on like the guy next to him, right? It's just he kind of goes through it. That's because he probably didn't wear pants, okay? But, uh, but what we find is that Abraham is living this life and we find that God actually does what he says. He blesses him. And we find that Abraham is blessed with land and cattle. Because come on, how many of you want cattle? You need some cattle. And he's got servants and more. Like his, his everything that he has is just being blessed. 
And, 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 and Abraham is so blessed that it's spilling over on the other family members. Like we find that his uh, nephew, Lot, uh, is being blessed. And, and there, there's so much blessing that is going on in this family, and they're busting at the seams with everything just because God is showing off that they find out they don't even have enough room. Like they got, the, you ever, listen, I, you, you may or may not know this, uh, I have uh, goats. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a goat guy. I've had goats for a really long time. Uh, and uh, and I, used to have, I used to have a lot of goats. Well, a lot of goats for me. That was like 30. You know what I mean? Like 30, I, I consider 30 uh, quite a few. And for some of you, you don't have any goats. So one's a lot to you, but that's okay. So for me, uh, we used to have a lot of goats. And, and but one thing happened, and this one event really changed dramatically how many goats that I was allowed to have. And her name is Easter Bunny. And you say you got a bunny? No, no, no. We had a horse, and the horse's name is Easter Bunny. Don't ask me. I didn't name her. It's weird. Okay, we have a horse named Bunny. But ever since Bunny showed up, and Bunny was a blessing for my wife, not so much for me. But ever since Bunny showed up, how many of you know that a horse eats more than a goat? Okay, and in fact, a horse eats a whole lot more than a goat. So basically, I have been blessed so much with this horse that I had to get rid of the majority of my goats, and I didn't have the option that Abraham and Lot have. Abraham and Lot were so blessed with all their cattle and everything else that they have, is that they decide to kind of split up. And Abraham was so nice. He says, Lot, you get to pick, man. Where do you want to go? And Lot, he, he decides to go uh, over near Sodom, and they kind of split up, and they're still being blessed all about until a handful of kings from further north decide to come down and cause a whole bunch of ruckus, and they decide they're going to uh, fight the kings around Sodom and Gomorrah. And then the next thing we know is poor Lot, okay? Lot is just minding his own business, out raising his cows, right? Lot gets taken away, and he goes back to the north uh, as a captive uh, from these kings, and of course, what does Abraham do? Well, Abraham, you don't picture, you picture like Abraham. I know what you picture. You picture this like big, white, fluffy beard dude, right? Maybe a little bit of bald on the top, so I'm not too unfamiliar from this. A little bit more white hair, maybe, you know? And, and you picture him in a long robe. But, but here we find Abraham is uh, like a, uh, a Middle Eastern samurai, okay? I want to put that picture in your mind here because what we find is that Abraham decides to take 318 of his best fighters, like the guys that are going to go out and just, you know, they're going to kick butt and they're going to take names. Like, they're going to go out and they're going to fight it out because what they do is Abraham takes these 318 men to go out and to fight and to get Lot and to bring him back home because how many of you know that if anything happened to somebody that was really close in your family, you're going to be like Liam Nielsen, aren't you? Your, your phone call's not going to go the same. You know, Liam, it's going to be like, I don't have a very particular set of skills, but I'm going to burn the whole world down until I find you. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to be strategic and tactical. Well, Abraham, he had his own tactical unit here, and so he goes out, he gets... Uh, he gets his family, he brings them back, and, and, and he has this like adrenaline and all this stuff happening in his life, and then you ever have that moment where something really great happens, and then afterwards, you're just kind of sitting there like wondering what just happened, and so Abraham finds himself sitting there like wondering what just happened, and finding himself a little bit discouraged because he didn't really get to be as much a part of everything, and he, I mean, he was really ready to go at it, and he didn't need to do that, so he decides that he's a little discouraged. He's a little bit bummed. And so what we find here is this is out of Genesis 15. Uh, it says this. It says, After this, 
the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. He says, do not be afraid, Abraham, because guess what? I am your shield, your very great reward. Your very great reward. See, God, I love this because God kind of knew what Abraham was feeling. He kind of knew that something was happening with him. And, and listen, uh, you know, God was trying to speak to him about the future here, about to try to like lift him a little bit out of this, to try to say, listen, guess what? I, I, am, I, I, I know I've got a reward. I'm your future. I'm your shield. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's okay. But here's what we find. Here's what we find in verse 15, cont- continues on there. It says, but Abraham, but Abraham says, sovereign Lord, he says, what can you give me since I remain childless? Abraham just came back from getting his nephew, and you would think that he'd be like, oh, yeah, it's, it's good. Like, everything's awesome. But he realizes that through all this, I'm childless, and no one will inherit my estates uh, except for Eleazar of Damascus. And then he continues on. You know, after he has this bummed out, like, no kid thing. You know, he's like, man, I ain't got no kids. And Abraham continues on. He says that you have given me uh, no children, so my servant of my household is going to be my heir. And so what I want you to find, and, and to help illustrate this, I have brought this beautifully decorated tent. I, you probably couldn't even see it up here because it was camouflaged, but it's okay. But, but I, I, want, I want to imagine you, and I'm going to slide this over just for a split second here. But I want you to imagine, this is Abraham. Abraham come back, he come back from his trip, and he's in his tent, and if this chair breaks, it's going to be okay, you're not going to laugh at me at all. But, uh, but he's, sitting in his, he's sitting in his tent, and he's just kind of having this woe is me moment as he's sitting here, and he's just hanging out, and he's feeling bad for himself, saying, God, you haven't given me any children. Here, I'm in a tent in the middle of the desert. Yeah, everything's cool, but I mean, it is, it's not, that you said I was going to be a great nation. How am I supposed to be a great nation? And, and uh, my servant, you know, just the guy that works for me, my, my, my right-hand man, he's the one that's going to, going to get all my stuff. And so he's in his tent, and he's feeling depressed and lonely. And, and listen, if you want to know, his tent wasn't this big, okay? His tent was probably about the size of this building, but that's okay. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother thing. That's a whole nother teaching we'll get to. But we find that he, he has, he has this, these blues, this effect. And, and, and so today I wanted to talk with you about like how, how do you kind of overcome those post-adrenaline blues when maybe you know something's about to happen, but, but you just aren't sure what it is. And the first one is this. If you're taking notes, this is a really good one, okay? And this is probably, uh, this is probably one of the ones that I try to remember the most. And we even sing a song recently about this. Is that remember that God has a plan, even, or if you want to put especially, especially when you can't see it. When you can't see it, guess what? It's okay because God still has a plan. You know, and, and listen, this is where we have to understand that, that bad things happen in life, right? We know that bad things happen. And, and, and I, I can't promise you that the bad things happening are part of his plan, but they're somehow involved with his will. And I know that we could go into a real deep hole with that, right? But we have to understand that, guess what? As, as, as children of God, there's no way for us to understand and contemplate all that's happening, all the things that are playing on all these different levels. So there has to be an element of faith, an element of trust here. But we know that Romans 8.28 says this, and many of you, uh, you probably read this, and you know the scripture. It says that we know 
that God causes everything to work together for the good. Now, some of us want to stop there. But I got to warn you, don't stop there because it's easy to stop there and you forget the rest of the scripture because the rest of the scripture says of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. It's not all good, but guess what? You know, we understand that all, not all the things in our life are just going to be peachy keen, but that does not mean that God is still not at work. He's still doing something in our lives. And in fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to get into this a little bit more in depth with another story uh, from, the, from the Old Testament. But we find here, right, that, uh, that again in, in Genesis 15, 4, he continues on, and, and then the Lord, the word of the Lord came to him. He says, listen, this man will not be your heir. This is God speaking to Abraham. He says, listen, Eleazar is not going to be, but guess what? A son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He says, listen, God says, is this all you're worried about? You're worried about an heir? Man, you guys shouldn't be worried about this. This is no big deal. Because, you know, God says, I've, I've got this. I, you know, you've got to trust me in this. And one of the things that I love, and Abraham even points this out in the scripture that where, where Abraham addresses God, is this. We have to understand that there are two parts to God's sovereignty because Abraham talks about God's sovereignty, right? Now, sovereignty is a word that you may, you've, you've heard, maybe you've even used at particular times, you read in the scripture, but you maybe don't have a 100% idea like what is, what is sovereignty. You know, sometimes we say words we don't know what they mean necessarily. We don't really understand the full context. But sovereignty, what really that means is that, that everything is under his control. If you believe in the sovereignty of God, we need to understand it's like God looking over you saying, oh, I got this. Okay? I, I got it. Don't worry about it. I got this. Because guess what? I'm sorry. I, I have it. It's all taken care of. Everything's okay. It's all right. Chill out. Simmer down. It's all right. But we find that through the two parts of God's sovereignty at work here is this. God's plan, Abraham knew that God had a plan, but the second part is this, is timing. Plan and timing, plan and timing, because sometimes we know that God has a plan for us, but we step outside of God's timing, and we cause issues for ourselves, and this is where typically we end up inserting our foot in our mouth or kicking our own self in the rear end. So what happens here is, you ever had a moment where maybe you knew that God was kind of calling you to do something or that you were supposed to be a part of something and you decided to help God out. You decided to help him. And, and like, you know, maybe, maybe you had your resume and you knew it was the job you were supposed to have. So maybe you added a little bit of stuff or maybe made it seem a little bit more colorful. You filled out that college application and you were trying to add every single club that you had ever even heard of on there, even though you didn't know what any of it even was. Maybe, maybe for, for you, it was when you went on a date with somebody and you were just so, you just so wanted to be with somebody that you were just like, well, it must be the will, God's will. You know, they, the, the, you know, they showed up on my eHarmony app or, or whatever it is. You know, it just, it's, it must be God, you know? And so you just say, I'm going to help, help God out here a little bit. I'm just going to help him, you know, get into this, you know? But here's what I know. Have you ever, ever had to buy anything from like an Ikea or even a Walmart where you had the instructions and you had those stupid pegs that you put in and you twist and they lock on, which are made of the devil, by the way. Okay, I don't know who designed that system, but it's of the devil, okay? But you ever had that, right? And of course, you know, you open it up and you're like, 
I got this. I know how to put this together. You know, you start randomly just like shoving stuff together and randomly like sticking pegs where they don't even go. Some of you probably even got the drill out and made holes where they weren't even supposed to be, right? You know, you do all that. And here's what I know, that whenever you try to do that to that kind of furniture, what happens to it? It breaks. It breaks. It te- you tear it up. That particle board ain't good for nothing. You know what I mean? So it just breaks. It tears up. Everything, what we do, we find that everything that we force together breaks. It messes up. In fact, there's two basketball hoops that sit on the back of this building. I'm going to throw somebody under the bus. I'm not going to name him. It was my brother, but I'm not going to name who he is. Uh, but it, it was one of those ones. We were putting these basketball hoops together at our house, at my, my house. And, uh, and, and it was one of those ones where, guys, we know how to put stuff together. It's a basketball hoop. How difficult can it be, right? Until all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you're putting two pipes together that were never intended to be together, and they're really tight. And then we spend the next 45 minutes trying to figure out how to disassemble them so we can put them together the right way, right? That happens. It happens in life. So it, it, we find... Here, we find in Abraham's life, Abraham does the same thing. In Genesis 16, we find that Abraham and Sarah, his wife, decide, well, look, uh, I don't seem to be having any kids. Whatever we're doing doesn't seem to be working, so let's help God out some. And they decide uh, to bring another woman in. And listen, that is never a good idea. One woman, I've learned, is more than enough, okay? So, so come on, that'll preach right there. Uh, that's, that's good. I was going to say, that you can put that on your fridge at home any day. So, so listen, so what we find, though, is that Abraham, as he brings into this, you know, he tries to help God out. And as he tries to help God out, he ends up causing consequences to come that we're still dealing with to this day. It's been thousands of years, and we still deal with the consequences of one man and one woman who did something outside of God's timing, and it still affects us. We have to understand that there's consequences to that. we got to remember that God has a plan, uh, even especially when you can't see it. And the second one is this, is that in order to see what God could be, sometimes you've got to get away from what has been, okay? In order to see what could be, sometimes you've got to get away from what has been. What I love about this is that you have Abraham who's sitting in his tent, and it says in that next scripture, it says as he's sitting in his tent, and he's feeling all lonely and pathetic and sad for himself, and he's just wanting to throw himself under the bus, and you know, oh, woe is me. Though, you know what God says? God says, Abraham, go outside. He says, go outside. He wants him to take a look. He wants him to come outside. And, and then he continues on. He says, guess what? Look up at the sky. What do you see? Look up at the stars. Can you count the stars? If indeed you can count them. Then he said, that's how much offspring you're going to have, man. That's what it's going to have. And, of course, Abraham has still got that big question mark over his head. He still is just not, he's just not getting it. God wants him so big, to, so desperately to grasp the vision. You know, I shared actually with somebody this this morning that, you know, when we planted Discover Church in September of 2017, that feels like a long time ago now, uh, but when we, when we did that, I won't lie, I, I can't even tell you for how long it was, but for, for months, probably even the first year at least, every Saturday around 2 or 3 in the afternoon, I would get this terrible anxiety. And I would say, God, is anybody, I'd ask Amy, I bet Amy, is anybody going to show up to church tomorrow? 
Yes, will you stop? Like every week, Amy, is anybody going to come tomorrow? I don't even know. Yes, would you just stop? We, we know that God has a plan, right? We know that God has the vision. But man, let me tell you, the timing is hard. It's hard to trust him on that timing. It's hard for us to do that. You know, this happens to us in our jobs and in marriage and kids and families and the whole nine yards. You know, it's so easy for us to do. It brings us to point three, and that's this one. The last point is this, is that what God has for you can only be seen with eyes of faith. And I know that that's one of those things where you say, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? In Genesis 15, 6, it says this, that Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. Abraham believed. So basically, we find that Abraham, throughout the midst of this, he decides to put his faith goggles on. You ever seen those virtual reality ones that make you see, you know what I mean, people fall out of chairs and stuff? It's so... It's so easy, right, when you put that on because then what, guess what happens? When you put those on, all of a sudden the, the, the virtual world that you're seeing, all of, a, all of a sudden it becomes your reality. You can't tell what else is happening around you. We have to understand that for us sometimes when we know that God has called us something, and, and listen, if you don't even know what that is, he's called you and your family. He's got a purpose and a vision. He's got a plan for that. If you can't see it, you know, sometimes we, we got to take that, that faith. we got to put that faith on. We realize that in this world, money is the currency, but for God, it's all about faith. It's all about faith. Hebrews 11, 1, 2 says this. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance of what we do not see. It continues on, it says, this is what ancients, and ancients means Old Testament people like Abraham. This is what they were commended for. We become so frustrated sometimes waiting on God's timing. And listen, if you find yourself being frustrated on God's timing about something because you're anticipating, you're wanting, you're wanting, you're wanting, one of the things that I would say that that could be an indicator of a lack of faith it could be an indicator that there's something missing there, that there's something that you, you kind of need to develop and work on. Because what faith allows us to do is it allows us to say, you know what, God has this. He's going to do He's going to do what he said he was going to do. In the book of Romans, Romans actually kind of tells a little bit of Abraham's story. And here's what it says in Romans 4.18. It says, against all hope, against all hope in other words there should not be hope but against all hope there, there was no reason for hope but against all hope guess what abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be i uh i told you before i'm a history guy I love history stuff. I love learning about history and people of history. And so some of you may know this person. Some of you may not. This might be the first time you're ever hearing this. But I heard a story about Vice Admiral James Stockdale. And if you, the name kind of sounds familiar, that was the VP candidate for Ross Perot back in the day. Uh, for This is many moons ago for some of us. Some of you, you weren't even born yet. You don't even know who Ross Perot is. That's okay. 
But I heard a story about Vice Admiral James Stockdale, and, and, and he was shot down in Vietnam and held as prison, a prisoner for seven and a half years. When asked about how he made it out, you know, like, how, how, how did you do it? Like, what, like, what did you do? Like, how, how did you have the faith and the confidence and the security? Like, how did you go about that? He says, I never lost faith in the end of the story. And when they talked a little bit more about it, they said, well, what about the other guys that were in there with you? He, he said, you know, like, who, who would you say was like ones that were, were, were more confident or could make it? Or He says, you know, one of the things I found is that the pessimists didn't last very long. You know, they were just down about everything. Normally, their body, their mind kind of gave out. He says, but really, a lot of the optimists didn't either. He says, because what happened is the optimists would say, we're going to be out by Christmas. Christmas would come and Christmas would go. And then Easter, oh, we're going to be out by Easter. And, and, and that would come and that would go. And maybe next Christmas, next Christmas, we're going to be out. Next Christmas is it, next Christmas. He says, so many of them experienced broken heart by setting these deadlines for when they thought things were going to happen but didn't. And he has this quote, and I'm going to read it to you because it, it's, it's powerful. He says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose either. He says, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever that may be. He says, you can't afford to lose faith because you got to keep faith. But at the same time, you can't assume that your faith is going to deliver on something that you can't control. There are things that are outside of all of our controls, and, and we have to realize that. In, in Romans, talking about Abraham again, it says, without weakening in his faith, he faced, uh, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. Since he was about 100 years old, this is Abraham, and that Sarah's womb was dead because she was old too. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regard to the promise of God, but that strengthened his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God indeed had the power to do what he promised. And then it says that is why it was credited him as righteousness. I want to ask if you would, would you stand with me this morning as we get ready to close out? I want to ask you this question. Do you have things in your life that are against all hope? I would probably say that some of us do. We, we have moments like this. Some of you have walked through them recently. You know, you have things in your life that are just against all hope. One of the things that I love about this scripture, this portion, it says that Abraham, against all hope, guess what? In hope, he believed. It didn't make sense. It doesn't make sense how we do it. A couple weeks ago, we celebrated Martin Luther King Day, and Martin Luther King who obviously, amazingly inspirational person. He has so many incredible quotes that we could probably stand here all day with him. Not, not only that, but he lived a life where if many of us were in his shoes, we would have failed miserably. And he still stayed true to his message and his mission. But Dr. Martin Luther King said this. He says that faith is taking the first step 
even when you don't see the whole staircase. I love that. Faith is taking that first step even though when you don't see the staircase. When I think about that, of course, I started thinking about the staircase, right? And I don't know if you think about staircases. My first question is, well, is the staircase going up or down? You don't know. Faith is taking that first step. I want to ask today, I want to ask you this. If, if maybe you've experienced times in your life, or maybe this is something you still battle with, with your faith, where you are, like, you, you have faith, like you believe in God, right? You, you believe that someone created this. But you've really questioned about, like, how deep that faith is. Like, it's kind of only on the surface level, maybe. Or maybe you, you, you believe in God, you believe that He created, and you, you believe in Jesus, and you believe that, but you're really not sure about the promises part. You know, you've read Scripture, and you just feel like your life has not played out like a promise Scripture. You feel like you kind of are living the Abraham part where he's in the tent going, well, what in the world is going on? What's happening? But I just want to encourage you. Listen, this year, 2020, our, our, our word kind of, our theme for the year is deeper. So if you don't have that kind of faith yet, stretch it, grow it, allow it to go deeper, allow it to go deeper, plant yourself into his word and his promises. Take those steps of faith, and we want to be here to stand with you. I want to ask if you would, would you just close your eyes for just a split second here as we get ready to dismiss? I want to say, listen, if this is you, if you're saying here today that, you know what, maybe you've been a Christian for a decade maybe longer. Maybe you've been a Christian for a week. Maybe you're still not a Christian. You're saying, look, I need some help in faith. If that's you today, if you're saying, you know what, I want a little bit more faith, I just want to ask, would you just slip a hand up? Because I believe, I, I know for me, my hand is up today. Because I can tell you right now, there are times in my life I need some more faith. I need a little bit of depth. I need a little bit of trust. I need a little bit, I need to believe in the promises that went against all hope that I can still have hope. If that's you today, I just want to take time. I just want to take time and ask the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us today. Would you pray with me? Pray with me, not just listen to me, okay? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, Lord, we thank you for your word, Father God. We thank you for this story of Abraham. And Lord, I'm so thankful we have in Scripture stories like Abraham that these men who are considered incredible men of faith, but Lord, at the same time, we get to see that they failed. That they fell flat on their face and they failed, Father God. Lord, and that, Lord, helps me to understand that there's going to be times, there's going to be moments in my life, there's going to be things that happen, Lord, where I am going to fail and fall flat on my face. But when those moments happen, I am so reassured that guess what that does not cancel the promise that you have in my life that does not that does not cross or cancel anything out father god in fact that just proves to me that you're that much truer father god that when i do that when i fall flat on my face that you still call me your son you still call us your sons and daughters father god lord god and that you allow us to step out of the tent where sometimes we want to have that woe is us, woe is me moment where we get to look up at the stars. We get to walk through the trees as the wind blows through the trees. Lord God, we get to just see how when spring comes, everything grows and blooms, Father God. Lord, that you make all things new. 
Father, we thank you, Father God, that you continue to do that. You work in each and every one of us today. Lord, allow us to draw closer to you. May that be our prayer. May that be our cry today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you sing this song as we get ready to close?